dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or saber a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today, we return to Wine for Vet Street. The letter of the day is I, and we are discussing the grape variety, Isabella. These are exciting episodes for me because prior to setting up the schedule for this season, I had never heard of this grape variety. So it was a great learning experience for me too. We had hybrid grape specialist Stephen Castles on to answer all of our questions. Sadly, we were not able to acquire a bottle to taste, but Steve did a fantastic job of describing its qualities, both in the glass and in the vineyard. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. Did you know you can do it right now while you're listening? New ratings and reviews are how the algorithms decide which podcasts they recommend to others. And if you love the podcast, other wine lovers will too. And don't forget to add your email address on the website to keep up with all things exploring the wine glass. Slancha. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, Spanish wine scholar, someday service, champagne and Côte d'Iron specialist, and a WSET level two graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. Stay in the know about all things wine by visiting my website, exploringthewineglass.com. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Winephabet Street. Our third trip around the sun, and we are at the letter I, and we are talking Isabella grape today. And I didn't even know that was a grape. So I'm excited to learn more about this. And so if you don't know who I am, my name is Lori. My husband, Michael, and I own Dracino Wines in Paso Robles. We will soon be opening up a tasting room. So it'll be the first time with a brick and mortar. And at the other side of the table, I am exploring the wine glass. I am WSET level two. I am a Spanish wine scholar, UC Davis winemaking graduate program, program graduate, champagne specialist and Cote d'Iron specialist. And I am excited because it's been a while since I've seen my colleague, Deb. So she's here with me. Hey, before I introduce myself, can you send Michael the link? Michael yeah. Kelly. Oh, he yes. Email came over and sure. he gets the link to join. So I am Debbie Giaquindo. I am known as the Hudson Valley Wine Goddess. I, I only have the street.com and get it. Okay. Um, I'm a wine blogger, a wine writer, um, restaurant owner, author. Um, I own a restaurant in North Wildwood called Trio North Wildwood. We're hiring for the summer season. So if anybody listening to this knows anybody that's a good server, busser, dishwasher, line cook, send them my way. Um, did I miss anything? I'm a certified specialist of wine, a wine location specialist in port and champagne, and a certified wine cherry specialist. And uh, you, that's probably about that. It host of Wine for Bed Street with Lori. We're in our third season. And today we're talking about the Isabella grape, which is fairly new to me. And I have we've got Steve Castles here 
who is an expert on it. And uh, he's an expert on all, actually all hybrids. But Steve, do you want to give us a little uh, introduction on yourself? Sure. Not hybrid. Hybrids, yeah. Most people are afraid of the word hybrid. They think it means like uh, GMO and stuff like that. And they're not anything like that. Anyway, my name is Steve Castles and I've been making wine since I was the age of 13 years old at Ben Marl Vineyards. So this is like my 50th year making wine. So it's kind of hard to believe. Um, I have a farm in Athens, New York called Cedar Cliff um, Farm uh, Vineyards. And what I do is I work with uh, Malaya Estate Vineyards. And what they do is we have something called the Hudson Heritage Project. So basically it's grape varieties that were either brought to the Hudson Valley in the 1950s from France or grapes that were developed in the Hudson Valley in the ninth, in like say the 19th century, or that came from the Boston area in the 19th century also. So, um, so basically, I work with heritage grape varieties. I like them because they can be grown sustainably. They have lots of different flavor profiles. They're fungus disease resistant. They're productive. The other thing that I did was uh, there's a book called Grapes, the Hudson Valley, and other cool climate regions of the U.S. and uh, Canada. As it turns out, that book was sold out about two years ago and it's going to print again. So a second edition is coming out and it will, it'll be pretty much the, f the first edition only will have two new chapters on grape varieties that were developed in the Boston area in the 19th century. So uh, it'll, it'll, it'll be organized the same way where it's sort of like, it will describe the hybridizer like Rogers from Salem, the grapes that he did. And then also grapes like that were done by Ephraim Bull, like Concord. So it will have all those kinds of things. So um, later on, I'll tell uh, Debbie, uh, you know, and, and you know about all these kinds of things so that like, you know, if you want, if your subscribers want to get that book at all, but it, it's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. But what it does is it talks about like all these different kinds of grape varieties, including Isabella, what kind of wines they make, uh, where were they came from? How are they developed? And that kind of stuff. So that's pretty much me, I guess. Awesome. Great. Well, that's a lot too. So that's cool. So before we get into Isabel, and this is honestly, I think a first for Debbie and myself, <clears throat> we don't have a wine. No, we have no wine. We have no wine. We've got um, water. Can we turn the water into wine? Get water on. So <clears throat> I have one wine, but again, I only make 15 gallons of it. And I got the grapes <laughs> from the Finger Lakes. And the reason I bought the grapes was because I've heard of the grape variety. Uh, I, I, I'll have you ask questions, but what I'll do is I'll talk about the derivation of where the grape came from and then where my interest came into, into the grape. Okay. So Absolutely. So before we get into talking about Isabella, we are going to get Elmo to come visit us. So here we go. Bella. I picture a, a beautiful woman, kind of with like Greek, uh, you know, type of thing. I just go to Isabella Rossi. Hair clothes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Steve, Isabella, it's considered, quote, a hybrid grape, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
So how does Lambrusca differ from vinifera? We don't, ha- you know, we don't have any v- wine, so I can't like none of we can't. You can describe what they are. It, it's a it's a, her- it's a it's an so old. So is it mm-hmm. red grape, white grape, thick skin, thin skin? What color? Because I also read a lot that it was a rosé and it was what I. Yeah, you can make a lot of it's very versatile in the in the in the cellar. So you can do a lot of things. It's a it's a it's a deep purple black grape. And where it came from is basically in, in the like the 1820s, they were people in Europe who were bringing vinifera grapes over to the US to try and grow them. They didn't live. But what they did is those few, few first few years in which they were alive, they were flowering and they were putting pollen to other Native American grapes and then creating new grape varieties. So what Isabella is is something called a chance hybrid or a chance seedling from a garden that came somewhere in the South, probably either South Carolina, North Carolina, Delaware. They're not really sure. So basically there was a person who was growing a vinifera of some sort. It lived there for a little while. It pollinated a local grape variety. It created grapes. The grapes fell on the ground. A chance leading showed up called, uh, which was this chance seedling. The reason it's named Isabella is that uh, there was a horticulturalist in, uh, in Brooklyn, New York, and his name was George Gibbs. And what he did was he planted that grape, you know, in his garden in Brooklyn. And there's a, there's a, a, a very famous uh, nurseryman called William Prince from Flushing. There's the, there's the, there's the Prince Nurseries and Lennon Hen uh, Botanical Gardens, which is in Flushing, which is like one of the biggest gardens in the u.s as far as like propagating and selling grape material or any other kind of fruits so he went to the house liked the plant got cuttings of it put it back in his nursery started selling it um and he it was actually see in the, in, like the, when it was founded found in in 1816 um there wasn't really a lot of grapes that could actually really grow in the u.s so it was actually the the, the standing uh the the, the thing that was the that made it good for this, this grape was because it at least grew fairly well and you can make okay wines out of it. The reason it's called Isabella is because George Gibbs, who's the guy from Brooklyn who had this chance of eating, his wife's name was Isabella. So they named it after his wife. That's some bonus points right there. Yes, they do it that way. So, <laughs> Serious. Yeah. <laughs> so, and just, you know, this, this guy, uh, William Prince, who found the grape and then started propagating, he did it with a few other varieties. This is actually the 300th anniversary of that vineyard or that nursery. It started in 1723, and then it finally went out of business in 1869, and there was five generations of the Prince family in Flushing who were growing grapes and selling. And actually, it was one of these centers – of horticulture in the U.S. as far as like propagating grapes, selling grape varieties and apples and other kinds of things like that. And beautiful. And there was actually 10 other very large um, nurseries in Flushing. So it was actually the center for the U.S. for when it came to propagating plant material. So the the grape is was actually so that's a little different than typical because the the you know, the the typical hybrid, the Labrusca, whatever, usually is man-made right it's usually they took something that they liked in here and something that they liked in here and the mad botanist put them together but this was actually a chance crossing it was a chance and actually initially um in the like early 1800s most of the new native american grapes that were being created were actually chance seedlings that were found in other places like a grape i think you covered delaware one time yes delaware came from probably 
somewhere in the Maryland area, and then it found its way into a garden in Ohio. And then the guy liked the grapes rice, started propagating it, sent it to a guy named Downing, who's a Newburgh, who was a nurseryman. And then he said he identified it as being a grape that was unique and different. So he says, this is a different variety. So he says, that's really great. Well, what should we name it? Well, the guy who sent the grape to uh, Downing from Newburgh was in Delaware, Ohio. So he named it Delaware. He did not get as much bonus points as naming it after your wife. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not my wife. No, the wife. No, of, no, of I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't get as much <laughs> yeah. bonus points as the guy who named it after his wife. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the other one, too, very quickly, is like Catawba, another chance hybrid. So it turns out it, it has Labrusca in it, but Southern Labrusca was kind of like a, a dull kind of like amber color. It turns out they, they just the last few years, they did genetic testing on it. It turns out Catawba is a hybrid of a local grape somewhere in like North Carolina and Similion, which is a, which is a grape that's used in Bordeaux. So Catawba, wow. so Catawba is one half vinifera and one of one the half children, and one of the half and one of the children of Catawba is a grape called Concord. Oh, Concord okay. is a hybrid of Catawba and something else. So, so Concord, which is found in Concord, Massachusetts, and created there as a chance seedling, is one quarter vinifera. They're all chances. So most initially, they were all chance hybrids. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so with Isabella, oh shoot, hold on a second. I just deleted. My, <laughs> I deleted the thing. Anyway, with Isabella, who are the parents then? They have no idea. I think genetic. I think genetically, they're they're getting better as far as doing genetic testing to figure out what it is. So, like with Catawba, they did a genetic testing of that, and they realized at least the mother was Similion. Uh, uh, so, and then they did a genetic testing of Concord because they thought that that might have had something to do with it. And then they found out that it had Catawba in it. So the, you have to do tests, and it's a, it's pretty expensive to do a test for each each different variety. So. And also you know what you're looking for too. So, okay. So let me let me <clears throat> ask you this. Okay, I I was on the phone with a, another gentleman who grows Isabella, and he had mentioned that. Um, and I I might have misunderstood, but somehow Spain was involved. Spain. 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 Oh, Spain. Okay. So he said <clears throat> that. It, it kind of—I don't—not quite sure if he said it originated in Spain or it went to Spain. I think what probably happened is that when you had phloxera and the other diseases that were imported from the U.S. to France, and it started like knocking out all their vineyards, um, Isabella was one of the grapes that was used and brought back to France and planted. Okay. So it okay. probably was a, a grape that was brought back to Spain. And, and Spain had the, the phloxera problem too, not as much as France. So I suspect it was, it's a grape that came from the U.S., Isabella, and then was then went to Spain and then France, mostly went to France. Okay. And is Isabella, is it successful in New York State? I mean, do a lot of people grow it? Not as much. I mean, again, remember the, the, the time frame of your end in, in 18... 16 or so there weren't many grape varieties that you could grow successfully in the u.s the viniferas did not work well at all you didn't have the french american hybrids at all what people were doing is looking and they wanted fruit so what they were doing is looking at people's gardens and finding out what lived so that's where they found catawba and delaware and isabella 
and Iona, all of those um, are, and, and Umilian, they're all chance hybrids that seem to be alive. So they started propagating. So that's, that's, that's where they came from. So they were good enough for the time and they were the only thing that could live. I mean, quite candidly, you don't see much uh, Isabella being grown in New York anymore. And the reason is because it, it ripens fairly late. So, and it's also, it's, it's very foxy. We can talk about that later on as far as what foxy means. So, but it's a very grapey, heavy, musky wine, but it also ripens in fairly late. And it's actually somewhat susceptible to, 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 to fungus diseases. So there's better grapes now. So you don't see much of it in, in the U.S. All right. So it was actually in New York, it's mostly ripped up to and planted to Concord. Right. Yes. I mean, what happened is Concord was really the Walmart of grapes. When it was found in 1853 and started being propagated, from when it was introduced by Hovey in Boston in 1853, by 1865, half of all the vineyards east of the Mississippi River were Concord. So they ripped out everything else because it lived. It was productive. It made an okay wine. It made a fine juice. It was a good table grape that held. So basically, it was it was the it was like an acting. It was the triple threat. You could you could you could make wine out of it. You could make juice out of it, and it would ship. So basically, people ripped everything else out, and then they put in Concord. So that's that's how that worked out. So and I'm trying to I'm trying to I have it here somewhere. Where can I wrote this down? As far as oh, it might be right here, but it, it does turn out that um, yes, okay, I do have some stats as far as that Isabella is actually grown in other parts of the country. So even though it's, it it ripens pretty late in New York and it has it's not very good for fungus disease resistance in New York, it turns out it's grown in tropical areas. So in Brazil, there's twenty six thousand acres of Isabella in there, wow. and they make mostly rose A's out of it. So that's Brazil. India, it's called Bangalore Blue, and there's 11,000 acres. If you go to Moldova, which is near the Ukraine, there's another 26,000 acres. And actually, if you go to uh, an average uh, uh, wine shop, if you see wines from Moldova, they are pretty much going to be Isabella. So, and that's why, but it is versatile in this way that like it can make really big, heavy, inky wines. It can make kind of uh, rosé kind of wines. So you can do a lot of different things. So the main places where it's grown is Brazil, India, Moldova, and the Ukraine. The Ukraine, I think there's like 5,000 acres there. So, Well, that makes a lot more sense. If it's such a late ripener, that's pretty tough in New York state, you know, Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, in in a Michigan Mm -hmm. or in some place like that. So yeah, and again, so it was popular until about like say 1840, and then Concord came in and that took care of that. Same thing with Catawba; it was like pretty popular in our because it would grow okay, but it also ripened really late in the season. So once other grapes started coming in, that went away. Now a lot of the work that I do through the book and like my other work dealing with uh, hybridizers, a lot of hybridizers did their work in Newburgh, New York, in the Hudson Valley in the Boston area and also in St. Louis. And what they were doing is they were hybridizing Native American grapes, wild grapes and viniferas. And they were trying to basically create varieties that would meet their needs, which was really ripen earlier, be more fungus disease resistant, have bigger berries so that you can like use them as table grapes or as wine grapes. So in the Hudson Valley, a guy of Ricketts from Newburgh developed grapes like Empire State, Jefferson, um, Many other ones, but basically they're big bunch berries that with wines that are very soft that taste like guava. So he actually is very successful. And that's one of the grapes that we're actually shipping to 
California now to, to propagate more of them. So basically it's a grape that like ripens fairly early, has fairly good sugar. So like 20% or so it's fungal disease resistant and then can either be, be used to make either um, as a table grape or as a wine grape. So, but that, that, that's when you started seeing a lot of hybridizing. You saw it actually in the U.S. before France. So, like, really there's a lot of hybridizing in the Hudson Valley, Boston, and, uh, and St. Louis area from the 1840s to about the 1880s. When Philoxford hit France, you saw a lot of hybridizing starting there, like 1870s to about 1930. So it's a very different thing. So a lot of the component grapes they used in France were grapes that were developed in the Hudson Valley. Cool. So now I don't know if you can answer this, but it's kind of more of an opinion question. So I had read that um, Isabella actually is banned in most European countries for any PDO or PGI level wines. Mm -hmm. Like, why? Why do you think there's such what a the like almost hatred for it? <laughs> uh huh. Uh -huh. I think particularly in France, what it was is like it was brought in when all of the other vinifera grapes were dying. So they wanted something they needed to have. Because I mean, it used to be in France in the 1870s or so, wine, people didn't drink water, they drank wine. And pretty much 15% of the entire economy was based on the production of wine. So it'd be sort of like the US not making cars. I mean, it was like a big part of their economy. So they had to find something, anything, they could make wine for their own consumption and also for export. I mean, the thing is, is that compared to French wines, I mean, we you know a lot about French wines, but I'm saying that the Isabella is very like, it's kind of musty. We can talk about what foxy means and it's, it's grapey. It's like that. So it was not something that they viewed as being a, a wine that they really wanted to kind of propagate a lot more. So once they found other French American hybrids like Chalois and Baco, they started planting them and then requiring that they rip out things like Isabella. The other thing that Isabella did with Jaraz and a few of the other ones that came from America, the other reason that at least politically they ripped a lot of these varieties out is because Again, the flavors were not up to what I think French wanted to be in their wine. But the other thing, too, is they were highly productive. So basically, you had you could get six ton an acre, while most of the other varieties were getting two ton an acre. So basically, it was kind of like Concord. It was the Walmart. It was like, it's good enough, and you can get six ton an acre. And that put competition against other bigger commercial growers who said, I don't want to compete against an Isabella where they're getting six ton an acre and I'm only getting two ton an acre. So I'll talk to my like local legislator and we'll pass a law and we'll ban it. So that's what they did. And now a word from our sponsor. Did you know that Dracina Wines has a wine club? We named it the Chalk Club. Draco is on our label, but Vegas was getting a bit jealous. So we decided he deserved to be our wine club spokesdog. In Las Vegas, betting chalk means that you are betting on all of the favorites, and we're gambling that once you taste our wines, we will become one of your favorite wineries. The club is simple, yet a bit different than most. We don't ask for a lot of commitment like others do. Choose between three tiers. The Sweet 16, where you'll receive three bottles twice a year and get 25% off all orders. Sign up for the Elite 8 and get 30% off all orders and receive four bottles twice a year. Or make it to the final four and receive six bottles twice a year, as well as receiving 35% off all purchases. All tiers receive discounted shipping, are customizable, and are eligible for unlimited referral bonuses. Add $15 to your bank for each person you refer. 
Head to www.dracinawines.com or the link in the show notes to find out all the Chalk Club has to offer and to sign up. We've stocked the odds so that you can get our award-winning wines without breaking the bank. So Karen, who um, is in the chat, she said she was reading while you were talking and she read that Isabella makes a great jam and juice because of its sweetness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sweet. It, it's like around 1820. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's sweet that way, but it's very grapey. Um, this might be a good time to talk about Foxy. You've heard the term Foxy as far as with like Concords and a lot of people will, will assume that Foxy means like Concord wines. It turns out Foxy predated Concord, and really it's a description for wines that are like Isabella. And Isabella is a grape that is like very grapey, very musty, very soft. And the reason they called it Foxy was because it smelled like a wet fox or a wet dog, because it was musty. So it's not when you hear of Concord and that's Foxy, there's many different kinds of Labruscas that have different flavor profiles. But the traditional meaning of Foxy was very musty and grapey and soft. So that is what Isabella is like. Is it high acid? No, very soft. Yeah. 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 And that's why it makes a good juice. It was like, it's pretty sweet, but doesn't have a lot of acid. That's why wine grapes don't make very good juice grapes because they got too much sugar and too much acid. You want things like Concord, which are like 60% alcohol or 16% sugar and softer acids, or maybe like a little acid to give it a little bite. But Isabella is very soft, very, very soft. And also too, it's got a lot of color. So if you crush it up and let it sit for like a few hours, you're going to pick up all the color. So it's very, very inky. So this is that's that's it right that's here. It. That's what it looks that's like. It. So, and I pulled that. I don't also, know if you had the picture of the barrel, but yeah, I'm going to show that. I'm going to show okay. it. I think I started sharing. Uh huh. No, it didn't work. So I only make 15 gallons of it. So it says sharing. Mm-hmm. I did. It's in here, but it's well, not. It's not working. Okay. Well, it's a little barrel. <laughs> That's what you got to say. Yeah, that I have the picture of it. Yeah, yeah. No, no problem. So, but and just, you know, the reason, I made, the reason I made the Isabella is because it's the 300th anniversary of the Prince Nurseries in Flushing. So I've been working with the Queen's Botanical Garden about doing a celebration on that family and that nursery in, in that area. So, so Isabella was one of the grapes that Prince brought to the fore in the United States and export to other places. So it was, I figured it would be kind of nice at, for a celebration to make a, a, a 15 gallons or 20 gallons of an Isabella to use at the Queens Botanical Garden. Oh, that's nice. Is, is, you've, have you worked with Isabella before? That's the only time I've ever worked with it. So, oh, okay. And how yeah. did you find working with it? Positive, it was actually a very easy grape to make wine out of. I mean, basically, the pH is pretty good. The acid is pretty good. And yeah, it was, it, was, it was easy to make wine out of it, actually. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually it's at the pH and the sugar levels are like what you'd find for an average French-American hybrid uh, or a vinifera as far as making wine out of it. And actually, its pH is a little bit lower, so it actually makes it a lot easier. So the wines are pretty soft. That's what I was going to ask. What do you bring when you bring it in? What are your technicals when you're bringing them in? I'm sorry to say I don't do a lot of technicals. I, I, I was educated actually by by people at Ben Marl who were taught in France and they were not. Re- I mean, I like the idea of chemistry. I want to have a wine lab. I'm 63 years old. I don't have one by now. 
I probably won't have one going in the future. So I base everything on taste. So when I'm okay. when I'm when I get the juice and when I get the wines, I do a lot of blending. So I've got a high acid wine, a low acid wine. I blend together. So I don't have a lot of I don't do testing on that stuff. I'd like to, but I never did. I feel bad about that. So so I just was like I'm thinking of like the pH of uh -huh. that and microbial aspect mm -hmm. of it. Um, it was clean. I mean, it was clean. So it was like it had enough acid where it was clean. It will always stay clean. So it'd be like, you know, probably three, five or something like that. So it'll be in that range. So, and I'm pretty okay. good tasting things. I can, I can tell like a three, seven from a three, two. So, so I can do that. And basically I'm looking for a wine or looking to make things that people like. So as long as people like it, you know, I don't care if it's three, four or three, seven, I don't care. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm laughing because my husband and I play a game. Uh, when it gets close to harvest, we go through the vineyard and we'll each take, take that pH. <laughs> well, pretty much, uh -huh. we take we we taste a grape. We each taste a grape, and we guess the sugar content. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, we we you know we test like kind of the p you know the pH thing, and we play against each other. And then, but then we do take it to the lab and we see who wins. And mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, so we. You know, sometimes you just got to entertain yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and just see a little bit more on my work. I grow in my place about 107 different uh, grape varieties. So most are either French American hybrids, so like the Bacos, the Chelois, and that kind of stuff. But also a lot of these heritage ones that were developed in the Hudson Valley and the Boston area. But what I do is with my 107 different grape varieties, I, I mark down like when they bud out, when they flower you know, what their sugar level, and they, I track them. So like, you know, starting in, in like Labor Day, like what's the sugar level, you know, on August 31st, you know, September 7th and do it that way. And then when I pick them, so I, I do track them that way. And actually, um, and I can send it to you, there's a UMass Amherst is a fruit program and they have a journal. And I had another article that was just published there on the 2012 grape season and how that was affected by all the things that occurred. So, and I'll send it to you. Cool. Yeah, I would love to read that. Very cool. Um, so you kind of hinted about it a little bit, but like, how is Isabella in the Vineyard? You talked about it being a, a late ripener and everything. And you talked about it being susceptible to, uh, um, you know, to to mm -hmm. mildew, right? You said, yeah, yeah, right. To mildew. And again, that's just, this is compared to Concord because Concord's like kind of oh, okay. okay, so it's a little. So it isn't like it's not susceptible like like a, a Chardonnay or anything like that. Okay. It's more resilient than like the viniferas. It's just that when they was compared to Concord, Concord always won. So that was how that worked out. Oh, okay, so usually every grape variety, right? When you talk to the winemaker who is in the vineyard and in the winery, you know, there's certain grapes that are either super easy in the vineyard and mm -hmm. a little bit more difficult in the winery, or they're a little bit more difficult to maintain in the vineyard and easier yes. in mm -hmm. the winery. So which one is Isabella? Is it, is it, you know, a little bit more headstrong in the vineyard or a little bit more headstrong in the, in, the, in, the, in the vineyard again it's 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 somewhat susceptible to fungus disease but it's still pretty resistant it's productive it ripens late so it's not so good for our area it's winter hardy which is good um but the production goes up and down so i think it's probably a biannual grape so like you'll do really well one year as most apples are it'll do really well one year and maybe not so well the next year and it kind of alternates that way but it's fine in the field but it's good to sell it too so it's 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 good so is it does it tend to be 
does it tend to be more vegetative or does it like to go to reproduction it's grapey. quickly? It is grapey, it grapey. So, yeah, so I mean, quickly. I think I wrote down my tasting notes for another one. Inky, very foxy, meaning the wet dog thing there. Dark purple, prunes, perfumey, uh, deep strawberry, labrusca, very floral, lavender, a lot of lavender, some earth. Like, there's a grape variety called Ives. It's like Ives. Okay. Would you say it's sweet? Is uh, it sweet? Does it tend to be sweet? Oh, I try. I make most of my wines dry, so I do it okay. that way. But but it probably comes in like around like say nineteen or so. So so yeah, I like a little sugar, and also too, it has a little acid, so I might add a little water to back off the you know, the the total city a little bit. So I do it that way. So, okay. but it's, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I, I'm the only time I made it, it came out okay. So I mean, so it's it's not hard in the, in the cellar. So so if somebody was looking at an Isabella a bottle of Isabella to buy, say, mm -hmm. from Brazil. What would mm -hmm. they expect when they poured that that glass, you know, the wine into the glass? The ones what that are made expect? in Brazil, and I've had a few of them, they tend to make theirs more like rosé. Um, and, and also do it like, it's, it's <clears> odd, <throat> like in Brazil and in Argentina, they grow a, a fair amount of Isabella, but I was telling about these other Boston Heritage grape varieties. There's this guy, Rogers, from Salem, Massachusetts. He uh, created a grape called, I cannot get it, the German philosopher, Gote. So basically it's called Gote. And, and, and one, this little province in Brazil, there's 20,000 acres of this grape variety. And it's kind of a pink grape, but they make either white wines out of it or rosés. So I think what you'll find in Brazil is with the Isabella and the Gote, Gote, um, they tend to make rosés or like or red or white wines out of red grape varieties. So they 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 tend to do that. While in Moldova, they're big, heavy, inky wines. So they're very, very different. So I think it's versatile in the cellar and that you can do you can make many different kinds of wines. But I think if you find the Native Americans growing in Brazil, they'll be tend to either make white wines out of red grapes or they'll make rosés out of them, which means they'll be like more acid, acid. they'll be brighter. Um and I don't know how long the color lasts. So sometimes with some like uh, varieties, the, the color, like the, the kind of pink color kind of becomes brown really quickly. So I'm not sure how Isabel does it that way. But I think it's made to be made as a very young, fruity kind of a white or rosé. But again, you get one from Moldovia. And if you, I'm telling you, if you go to like the section, there's like the section for Moldovia, they'll have Isabel. And they're big, huge, dank things. So with lots of grapes and lots of like perfume. It's going to be a special uh, wine store that has a section on Moldovia. <laughs> so, no, I mean, like, if you, it's not, I mean, my, our, two of our local stores have it, and it's not like a Moldovia section. It's sort of like, you know, there's France, there's this, there's New York, and there's other. So basically it's in the other section. And it's, really, <laughs> and it's like 10 bucks a bottle. So, I mean, so it's not expensive. So like it gets good production in those areas that way. So it's like the other section of the, of the, of the, uh, the liquor store. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. Other. Yeah, other. Yeah. And basically it's not marked other. It just says. Yeah. This and this, and then there's this quiet area. There's all this other stuff and it's like 10 bucks a bottle. So that's where you're going to find There's it. crickets going. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Except for me, I'm looking for them. So <laughs> I saw like Isabella. So. <laughs> See, See I, if, if, if there was a vinifera varietal that you could compare Isabella to, to kind of tell people what to expect, is there? Is there? 
No. No. Okay. I don't think so because it's like a it's lot. Its own personality. It's 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 it's, 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 uh, it's a lot softer than most vinifera's. Um, it's really a lot more grapey, and it's a lot more uh, got strawberries. And actually, strawberries indicates that there's a little brusca in the background. So if you buy like a Cornell hybrid, like Stuben or Noire, they all have that kind of like strawberry cotton candy thing. Right. Uh, the the Isabella has that also, so you can tell there's La Brusca in addition to Vinifera in that variety. So I wouldn't say it's like um, any kind of a Vinifera one to describe it, but I would say it would probably be more like Ives, Stuben. It sounds like bigger that. than the Delaware. What's that? It's it sounds bigger than Delaware because we've tasted the Delaware, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it, I mean it, the strawberry that aspect the Labrusca part of it, I thought in the Delaware was pretty obvious, uh -huh. um, but it didn't have that deep color no. that that it and sounds that like you're explaining. Yeah, right. yeah. So I think what you find with the Delaware is I, I grow some Delaware. I love Delaware, just so you know that. So. Um, uh, what I find with the Delawares is like they're kind of soft, but they have muscat and they got guavas and they got tropical fruits. And they're kind of integrated. So so it's a little grapey, but there's a whole bunch of other things going on with them so that you don't so that it take you, you notice the guavas and you notice like the tropical fruit punch stuff. While with Isabella, it's grapes and the wet dog. So you have that and then the strawberry thing and prunes. So and also, uh, uh, and also, Delaware also has more acid, so it can be sharper and crisper. While Isabella is not that way at all. So, okay. And then, in your fifteen gallons that you are making, uh -huh. <laughs> generally speaking, with Isabella, are is this normally like a, a tank ferment and and aging? Is it oak aging? How? How would you typically do that? What I put them in is like uh, you, when I when I grew up in Newburgh, New York, they used to, there's a railroad siding, and like basically a rail car would come in every year, and they would open up, and you could buy barrels. So basically, me and my friend went down there, and we bought some fifties, and we bought two. 15 gallon Italian chestnut barrels. So it's an Italian chestnut barrel that I've had for over 30 years. So I had port in it for quite a while. Basically, I had like Saval in it and I have Bacos in it and they got older and got more, you know, got older. So I put like cherries and things like that and generally just general like house whites of some sort so for the longest time i had ports in them i just bottled my ports that were in there for like 10 years so this empty barrel and i had it in stainless the isabella so i just put it in that so it's a 15 gallon italian chestnut barrel so that's what it but it's, it's rounds it off i mean it, it, it the, the isabella does go well with italian chestnut so it's like it brightens it up and it kind of it's got some floral stuff but it actually kind of deadens down some of the fruit so it's actually more of an integrated wine i think so so it's still impacting it after all those years? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think and there's you're not getting any chestnut anymore, but you're getting more just like the roundness that a barrel will provide. Barrel. One thing you'll find with, with the, the Italian chestnut, I used to put Savals in them, and then it has like a, a when you put an Italian chestnut, if you put like a Saval or a Vidal in them, they have like a woody kind of thing, but it's also kind of like aromatic, like scotch. So I can't tell you how many people who love scotch and they would have a Saval that I had put in that barrel. And they were like, I love this Saval because to them, it reminded them of scotch. It was like aromatic and wood and that kind of stuff that way. But Italian chestnut will add different thing, components to a wine than like say uh, a Hungarian oak or, you know, another kind of an oak. So, 
That I gotta go. That's pretty cool because I don't think I've heard anybody say they use Italian chestnut. Yeah, yeah. that's the first I've heard. Yeah, they're they're great barrel. We got the pick. I mean, they're, I mean, I've had them for like over thirty years, and they're 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 tight. They work really well. I mean, they're 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 well made barrels. They're lovely barrels. So cool. Yeah, they just so. don't make things. Yeah. <laughs> now they make them so you have to buy new ones yeah so yeah yeah some of the barrels i won't go into that yeah exactly <laughs> so, yeah. can we talk about the the grape like in the vineyard like mm -hmm. what is an average tonnage that is grown per acre it's pretty good it's, it's probably like say four ton an acre and again, a, and again it depends on like the ground that you're using you know, and the year and that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's it's a good variety. So like four ton an acre. I mean, you wouldn't want to get more than four ton an acre, but it, it could probably go higher. I mean, that's why it's probably being grown in Brazil and Moldova and the Ukraine and what was the and India because basically it's really productive. And I bet they're probably getting like eight ton an acre off these things, and that's probably the best thing. So it's like you're getting a lot of tons, some sugar, and it's dark. So you're getting a you're getting a a dark inky wine that's getting eight ton an acre so that's an eight ton let's see a ton will get you like say maybe 180 gallons so so you're, you're probably going to be able to get like say 800 gallons per acre with isabella do they have to drop fruit a lot during the course of the if you're producing grapes you don't i mean no no that's i mean that's like if you're looking for yeah if you, with an isabella or an eyes, you don't drop fruit at all. You're trying to get as much as possible. So you prune to do it that way. The fine does seem to have the capacity to produce a lot of fruit and still bring the sugars in. And it's, and because of its pigment, it's like a dark color. So, and, and in France and others, particularly in Cornell, they really like dark red wine. So it adds color to it. I think particularly in France, they like dark wine. So, so I think it adds color and you have enough sugar and you got tonnage. So I think I think that would that's why that's probably why it's doing very well. And you have, I mean, think about it, like I think in the in New York State, there's like 36,000 acres of grapes. So you have in Moldova a little teeny country, and it has got 26,000 tons. So it's almost the size of the New York wine industry on this little teeny province has almost as much grapes as New York, and they only grow Isabella. Same thing with India. It's like it's a really hot climate. And it's very, you know, it's like, I've been to India several times. It's like, it's really hot. But you have like monsoons, torrential drain fours, and then just like hot. So it seems to do well there. And you got 11,000 acres there. And Brazil, which is known as being kind of hot too, you got 26,000 acres. So it's something that you can do a lot of things with. So it's probably good in the field there. But mostly it's like you get some sweetness, some color, and you can make a base wine. So so in in the um vineyard are the clusters big small or the berries big or small um they're like what uh, do they look like so they're like you know they're like they're like a little bit smaller than concord and they're kind of like they're like um conical like a, a conical so they're kind of like that so you you do it that way so big shoulders um i think there's one shoulder off to the side by the way, I'm noticing my clown picture right there. That's which I is know. kind of which is kind of freaky. My 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 grandfather, who was an attorney in the Palm Beach area, he worked for a uh, Colonel Bradley, who was a racehorse person 
who had places in Palm Beach and Louisville, Kentucky, and lived in the Laurel Astoria. So they were both art collectors, and he was an attorney for this guy, Bradley. And they used to collect clowns. So this clown was actually... They purchased that in 1945 from a very nice art gallery that was on Fifth Avenue. And when he died, I got this picture. And mostly because no one else wanted that picture. I was like, you know, you wake up and you're like, you got a clown staring at you. So it's not my room. It's like it's in my office. It's not a clown you want to have there. My so mother anyway. used to collect clowns and uh -huh. my uncle used to draw them. And that actually was one of the first things I noticed back there was because it looks very similar to the style that my uncle used mm -hmm. to, um, used to draw. And I'll have to, I'll have to, uh, later it's on, I'll have to take weird. a picture of yeah. it. And and I, I think it's actually worth some money. The, the artist's name is Ramirez, but basically it was on Fifth Avenue. And he says, that's a clown for me. So and then he <laughs> brought back to Palm Beach and where, where's, where's house was. But again, everyone, the girls are like, I don't want that. So I took it. I figured I felt, and I figured it's a part of what my grandfather was. So I said, well, I'll take it, but no one really wants to see the clown. So it's kind of freaky. I, it's <laughs> well, kind I of like freaky it. in a lot of ways. I got to tell you, so I it's like not it. like uh, what I would do, but it's kind of fun. So anyway, so. Um, so would you, would you consider Isabel? I mean, well, I guess you kind of have to consider Isabella a hand cell. Right. I mean, you're not really going to. Oh, walk it's a hand in. cell. Yeah. I know <laughs> hand cell. No, and, I, and I think what you're going to find is like people are going to like it or not like it. And also, too, you're going to make different things out of it. If you're making like a rose, it'll be kind of it'll be kind of bright, you know, strawberries, like a little cherry. And you do it that way. Or like some people like the guinea red, you know, with the elegante. This is more mm -hmm. like that. It's like big, heavy, dank, you know, lots of pigment. So you can do it that way. So you can make a different style. So it would be a hand cell, I, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would. I would think so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. I, I, not to be mean, but I can't imagine you going into a into a wine shop and too many sommeliers are, you know, or a restaurant and too many sommeliers say, "Let's build an entire wine list about around Isabella." Yeah, yeah, or going to Astro Liquors in like Lower Manhattan, saying, "Hey, we got our we got our Isabella sections." So. <laughs> I'm looking for Isabella. Gr wine do you have one uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, so. you know i think that will throw it's some good, people good, yeah it's a good historic grape though for the standpoint of like in the u.s like from 1810 to 1830 they were wanted to grow grapes for wine or for george or whatever so they wanted they were looking for things and this is the one and basically they found it in someone's backyard they said this is good enough and it lives and that's how that just like delaware just like Etaba, just like iona just like Umilian, there's many other Winchell. There's all these varieties that it was because they were. That's what lived. And then you had people in the Hudson Valley and St. Louis, and then Boston, purposely uh, breeding grapes as they were in France. But basically, they were trying to do things that way. Here's like people were doing this. They were they were just looking for things. So they just went to people's backyards and say, "Well, that's good enough for me." So, so Steve. You know, we know grape vines, they change their production volume as they age. Does mm -hmm. Isabella do that? I mean, can you taste the difference between like a new vine and old vine? I would no? think so. But again, you, you understand like where the niche is for Isabella in Europe and in Brazil and India is like 
big production wine. So it's like a big jug kind of a wine thing. So whether it's like older or young, I think if it gets like older, it's not producing as much, they probably like rip it out and put more in to like get more production. Right. So, but I think they don't allow like, it to age. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, they're not aging wines at all. I think it's like, it's like, I mean, I, I haven't been to France, but I hear like they used to, I don't know if that's the case anymore. Like you go to the, the grocery store and they like you put the, the spigot on and you get the milk jug of whatever it is. This will be that kind of a wine, I think. Okay. So you, you do it that way. So <laughs> it's not something you're aging. You're not putting in a barrel. It's in a big tank and then you get it and you get it for whatever a gallon. That's okay. what I think. So, <laughs> you know, but it's still historically, it's very interesting because basically yeah. it's one of the first grapes that were really grown in the U.S., for wine production, in addition to Catawba and other and a few others, but there was like there was like three of them, so there wasn't a lot of grapes. Like this is what they worked with for probably twenty or thirty years. So and so when I was looking it up, Isabella typically only has like one seed in it, so like and it, you know one maybe two seeds. So that's very different, or or at least to vinifera. Is that is that typical with the heritage grapes to have that few seeds? Uh, I don't know. Concord's probably got like three, yeah. I think. Yeah. I I don't really know. I know a bit about heritage grape varieties and how to make wine and bubble in 50 years and bubble. But the number of seeds that each variety has, I, I kind of don't know. I don't I don't okay. know that at all. But See, I got to go make... geeky. I always go too geeky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many seeds? Because I just was, I was like reading, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's only got one seed. That's that's not a typical for. That is know... unique. That is unique. Because yeah. most have two to three per. And like some of them have like five. Five, yeah, right. So, yeah. Right. If you go to folks, it's like 40. It's like it's unbelievable. It's like it's oh, like geez. skin, a little pulp, and seeds. That's all it is. Wow. Yeah. wow. Like not that many, but there's like probably I know five. what you mean. I, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. So now that you're making your your first barrel of Isabella, are you doing anything different with the winemaking process as you would another heritage wine? I try and treat what I try and do when I make heritage wines is I am to me a heritage wine is an, a, a, a grape or a wine that's from an area that actually influenced the area. So like in the Hudson Valley, French American hybrids came in by Philip Wagner, who was a, a nurseryman from uh, from Maryland. But basically, he was like the, the editor for the uh, Baltimore Sun, and he was the Paris chief so basically when the, the the nazis started coming in he got lots of grapes and smuggled them into or cuttings smuggled them into canada and then brought them to the hudson valley so that's why i view all these things as heritage things so but as far as like isabella it's heritage because like it's part of our past i think i think that's probably the best way i could say that I don't think I answered your question at all. No, you did not. I did not. I went on a tangent okay. and then I got to a point and I said, you know, I went somewhere. I was going to go to a point, but I, I didn't. What was, I'll just, let's try it again. So. so in the production of your Isabella wine, yeah. Mm -hmm. can you go through the process and see okay. if it's any different from, you know, a vinifera or another, you know, Oh, I see. I mean, they're probably different. What I did was I was actually in the Finger Lakes for a different reason. I had to pick up some Iona juice, and there was a guy there who had Isabella juice. And I said, I'll get 15 gallons. And I bought the stuff. They hadn't, I mean, they had not started fermenting it, but it was also a deep color already. So I didn't, I didn't get the grapes 
and firmer them in the skin. That's why it's actually, this is actually a fairly light Lighter. Isabella. But if I got the grapes and fermented it, I better be like inky black. It'd be like, it'd be like Dushnak. It would be like yeah, the Wale. It would be like a big thing that, that way. So what I do is I got the juice, brought it back, and then just fermented it. And just and, and I try to keep it clean. So like what I do is, um, when I do a lot of these, these heritage varieties, is I try not to like, do a lot of different styles. What I try and do is do a similar style for all of them so I can compare what a Vidal is like to compare to a Saval as opposed to an Isabella. So I tend to use the same kind of yeast and the same way of making wines so I can compare them that way. And then when I get to a point where I say, that's a good grape variety, then I start doing different things. So like in my own work, what I'm what I'm working with a lot more, I've identified as like a grape called Burden 6055, Palmer, which is a, which is a, which is a grape that I was found here at my farm right here. Locronel is a good one. Jefferson. So I've identified identified of these hundreds of heritage grape varieties, ones that are really good, I think, in the field and in the cellar. So now what I'm doing with those grape varieties, I'm putting more of them in, and now I'm starting to like use different yeasts, put them in oak, you know, different skin contact times. So I'm doing it that way. So. So I'm going to go geeky again, but not that geeky. Uh -huh. So if if Isabella is such a late harvesting grape variety, do you, like in the future, do you see your tinkering with maybe uh, co-fermenting it with a later variety, you know, vinifera grape or a later variety, another heritage mm -hmm. grape, like a co-fermenting concept? I think what actually would do well with actually is co-fermenting with beer. What I'm doing, I'm not joking, because what I'm doing right now, because I have kids who are like under 30, and a lot of them actually have friends who are beer makers. So in the Catskill area, we have six different breweries. So I know the brew makers because they're my kids' friends. So this year, for the first time, I sold quite a few of my New England Heritage Variety grapes to a, a winery or to a brewery called Subversive. And basically it's a beer wine. So I took all these grapes and they oh, co-fermented yeah. them to do it that way. So I think what what you uh, what Isabella would probably be good for is co-fermenting to make a beer. Okay. I am seeing that more and more. We mm -hmm. have we have a brewery uh you know in Tin City in Paso and on their list there's you know there's a Zinfandel beer or mm -hmm. there's a Syrah beer. But what Although I could be wrong, my my understanding was they were actually using the pumice, not the actual grape itself. Here, that at least I mean they're all experiment they're all experimenting in this area. So basically, what they they wanted the whole grapes, we crushed them up, and then and if you look at my Facebook page at all, and again I do Facebook stuff mostly like as educational things with pictures, so. Feel free to do whatever you want. But if you look at that thing, there is a, like in October when I sent the grapes to Subversive Brewery in Catskill. It has pictures, but basically we crushed them all up and we put them in the hopper with the beer stuff and they co fermented it and they did it, they did it that cool. way. So, and I, the odd thing about the, 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 the ones that are from the Boston area is like, like, um, what are the grapes? Like Agawam, Massaoit. Barry, there's another one. Their colors are very different than uh, Isabella, which is like kind of dank and like a deep purple. The ones from the New England area are like, they're like Star Trek colors. It's like electric blue, hot pink. So like the beers come out like hot pink, 
electric blue. So oh, they're gonna fly to, off the shelf. So people <laughs> see the light that, and, the, and 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 one of the the grapes that's uh, hybridized into the the, the uh, new the New England hybrids is um is a black black Hamburg. So it's got that muscat thing, but it's got that electric blue thing. So like it's very attractive that way. But I'm thinking going back to Isabella, it's got like it's got lots of grapey flavors. It doesn't have a lot of high pH. So like you don't want a, you don't want a high pH grape going into a beer because you don't want that. My understanding. So uh, so I think Isabella would actually be good as a co-fermenting with beer. Cool. Yeah. So Steve What's in your glass to Isabella? And when it's co-fermented with beer, what would you pair them each with? I'm not a, I'm not, I like eating, <laughs> so, but, I'm not, but I'm not a big pairing. I mean, hmm. Would you pair an Isabella with a dessert? Yeah, probably a dessert. Yeah. It, it'd be more like a port. I would probably put it with okay. like, like a Stilper or like any kind of the, the, the you know, the, 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 the Blue cheeses. Blue cheese. I would cheeses. probably do that or smoked cheeses. I would probably put it with more things like that, not as a dinner wine when you're having your steak. I would have it beforehand or afterwards. That's what I would do. And like a berry pie. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking I was thinking like a blueberry pie. Mm -hmm. yeah. It would stand up to it. It would be different enough where you could actually taste the blueberry pie and the wine. Yes, I would think something like that. I think I'm not a very, I'm not a gourmet gourmand gourmand i am which means you eat a lot so i, I can do that so yeah so you just want somebody else to make it yeah I, I took three years of friends so i know the difference between those two like gourmet is like you, you know and the gourmand is like you eat a lot so if they, so but i think it would probably do with like you know the, the 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 blue cheeses and then i think the aged cheeses and like a blueberry pie it would do well that way but if you were having it with like a chicken dish or a fish dish i, I wouldn't do that i don't think so well, unless the chicken dish was like made with some type of a jammy, because yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. You got to match more that was like that. Mm -hmm. Got to kind of match the flavors into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I never would go with my my uh, grilled cheese because I always put that I put jam on my on my grilled cheese. How do you really? all the time? Yep. What my, kind of my, jam though? Uh, usually blackberry jam. Mm. So. Yeah, so toast the bread so that it gets warm, and then I use my little, you know, my little griddle, you know, panini press type thing, mm -hmm. and the cheese goes on, and then the blackberry jam goes on, and it goes. That's and how you're I all, set. all set. All <laughs> set. I put bacon on my grilled cheeses or tomatoes. Or <laughs> <laughs> bacon and tomato. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, or, car or caramelized onions. Oh ugh, no, 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 no. That way, so. <laughs> yeah, but it, like, yeah, but you'll find I, yeah, I, uh, not Iona, but like Isabel's like a big, huge. There's lots of flavors in it though, so it's it's kind of interesting that way. That's I think what the cheese would do well. So cool. Now, so you did mention your Facebook page, and I believe Stephen that you can see the chat on your right hand side of your screen if you hit chat um if you Chad. okay yep okay if you want to just type in your facebook page so okay. that people in people in the chat can see it and then if you can tell us where you know you know verbally tell us where people can find you okay. so that so that uh you know we can link up and of course debbie and i will link up anything i don't know yeah. if you're on instagram also or 
I tend no. not to do a lot of that stuff. Like some people say, my, my daughter's like, oh, you got to do that. That seems like that's a whole nother thing. So I do like a little Facebook stuff, but mostly the probably the best place to see my work is, and I wrote it down because I'm not, I'm just one of those guys. Of course, I don't have it right here. So basically, if you go to uh, the website, HudsonValleyHeritageWines.com, so HudsonValleyHeritageWines.com, it will have like all the grape varieties that I work with what they're like, what kind of wines they make. Or if you go to the Malay Estate Vineyards website, you can actually buy a lot of those wines. So you can buy a Baco and a Shelwa and a Burden and a Palmer, and you can do it that way. So I would say Malay Estate Vineyards will be good. And also, too, if you go to them and say, I want to talk to Steve, they'll send that email to me, and then I can talk to people. So if people have questions, I'm happy to answer them. So I would think Malay Estate Vineyards to contact me or that Hudson Valley Heritage Wines to get pictures of the grape varieties that I grow and do it that way. So, And then also to my email address is just my last name, Castles, C-A-S-S-C-L-E-S, J as in Joseph, S and Steve at Yahoo. All right. Simple's better than hard. There you go. Thank you so much for. I just have one more question, Deb, because I did. I forgot to write it. Is if you want our friend, you know, our followers and listeners to remember two things about Isabella. Yeah. What two things do you want them to remember? I think it's a fun variety, and you can do a lot of different things in the cellar with it. You can make rosés and big, heavy wines out of it. Yeah, that's what I would say. I yeah. like that it's fun. I like that. Yeah, it's a union of Moldova and Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> a game on the soccer field. And India. Yeah. In India, they call it Bangalore Blue. They said, well, that's what we're going to call it. So I'm going go to go in a shop and I'm going to go, I want some Bangalore Blue. Blue, that's it. And they're going to look at you and say, what? what? Unless you're in Flushing. And then in Flushing, you can get whatever you want. So. <laughs> or Rego Park. So. <laughs> so. Yeah. Good. But thank well, that's you so much so for coming. And yeah, thank you. And then, like, we'll talk afterwards as far as what you uh-huh. want, but it'll be good. So, thank you very much. Well, thank, thank you, you so and much. I hope you enjoyed it. Was, it it was enjoyed. a blast talking to you. I'm laughing. It's a good time. And yeah. the to learn, you are a wealth of knowledge about so many different grape varieties. And, you know, the I- Isabella, it's, and I am, I'm going to go out and I'm going to look for an Isabella. I'm mm-hmm. going to go yeah. try one. So. I'm gonna go into a store. I don't go into a store down here and ask for it. They'll look. They'll be like, "Huh? Huh? Huh? What, what, what are you talking huh? about?" The might be like, "Oh, it's over there." I can't even get a good Spanish wine down here. Who are you kidding? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Good. Well, thank you very much. Now. Thank you. Thank okay. you, guys. Okay. Bye now. And, uh, This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoyt Bud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter at exploringthewineglass.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Podcast music is Wine by Kevins. Until next week, slancha. No, 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 no.
never let you go. Nice glass right now.